Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS ID 399801. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Empowered Woman, a collection of 101 stories about being confident, courageous, and your true self. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am good. Fantastic. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. Chicken Soup's The Empowered Woman is extremely inspiring and motivating. The book is truly captivating in terms of it captured the essence of what I considered as personal leadership. Congratulations on this release. Oh, thanks. It's already on the bestseller list, so we're happy about that. It's getting a lot of media buzz. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because it's a very meaningful book right now. Um, a lot of people are talking about these issues. I don't think that we understood that women were experiencing as much male chauvinism and sexual harassment as it turns out they still are. We, I guess that we all thought things had improved quite a bit, <laughs> but there's still some more work to be done, obviously. I think so, but I honestly believe that some of it is the generational issues, and I think that generations today, or the younger generation that is, I think that's a little bit more balanced in some ways. I'm really glad that Chicken Soup published this inspiring book. To me, this book is not actually just for women. In reading the stories, I find that it is very engaging in terms of for those who are out there who doesn't really feel kind of good about themselves or pretty much being prayed on, so to speak, unintentionally or intentionally, they should read this book. Forget about a she thing. It is a we thing. I agree with you. I actually think that all of the lessons in the book apply to men just as much as they apply to women. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in order to get people's attention to read all of these great tips for how to lead a more courageous and confident life, you need to say, women, I have this message for you. But in fact... (laughs) It's definitely true. Any woman who gets this book, if she leaves it out for a man to read, he's going to get a lot out of it as well. I look at this book as an educational book. I honestly do. We are sum total of what we are exposed to. So, guys, if you read this book, it gives you an idea what the other side of the equation is. Thinking about or at least receiving a different message from what you're giving them, if the message is unintentional, that is. Yeah, I think that's true. Let's talk about the partnership that Chicken Soup has with Dress for Success Worldwide. I went to the website. This is a very interesting website for ladies. So please tell us a little bit about that. So Dress for Success is amazing. It's been around for decades. And it started out in a church basement in Greenwich Village in Manhattan. And now it has something like 160 chapters all over the world, still you know, primarily focused on the U.S., also Canada, but in other countries as well. And it started out as a place for women to go and get an, an interview outfit, you know, that special outfit that would make them look professional and make them feel confident when they strode into that interview. And it's still very much focused on providing women with their interview outfits, but it does so much more because it also teaches them how to do the interview, and it helps them go online and read up about the company they're going to visit, et cetera, so that they're prepared for the interview and they know how to ask questions. And then once they get the job, Dress for Success continues to help their clients by helping them 
learn about how you keep a job and how you manage the wages that you earn from that job so that you can become an empowered woman and support yourself and your family if you have one. And I love it. And I went to um, meet with them at their New York headquarters where they also have one of their boutiques where women go for free, of course, and get these outfits. And I went into my closet and I had just tried on a pantsuit a couple of weeks before and realized that it was never going to fit me again because I had bought it at a time when I was particularly skinny. And mm-hmm. so I brought that outfit along with a blouse that would go for it. I even brought shoes to go with it. And I was so, it just made me feel so good to donate the outfit. And I really recommend this to everybody. Go into your closet. Don't hold on to something because you're thinking, well, just in case my daughter wants it one day or just in case I'm going to fit in it one day. By the time that happens, it will be out of fashion anyway. Donate it now while it will be of use to somebody, and then imagine mm-hmm. that woman who's going to wear your outfit and go and ace that interview. So it's interesting. When I was uh, getting a haircut recently, I saw a big poster in the window of the salon I went to, and they were a collection site for clothing for Dress for Success. So they have... Mm-hmm chapters all over plus they have collection sites where you can leave these outfits and joy gordon who's the president is actually a lawyer and she started doing this about 20 years ago and she told me that it's not even a job she just loves it so much Mm -hmm. she loves going Mm -hmm. to work every single day she's so passionate about helping these women it's really a wonderful thing while we were there we saw women sitting at computers and learning how to research the companies where they were going to go and have their interviews. It's its really great because it's a charity that enables people to take care of themselves instead of just handing them something. We're donating royalties from our book, so I forgot to mention that. We're talking like everybody who's listening knows, but we're donating royalties from the book. So 40 cents uh, for every copy sold of the book, including the ebook will go to Dress for Success, which, by the way, has a superb charity rating, so that money is really going to be used efficiently and wisely. Fantastic. I love the concept of the fact that people have a chance to put on that terrific wardrobe that gives them the added confidence. It is true because what you put on on the outside does help you on the inside. Oh, yeah, it's true. I mean, people say it's what's inside that matters, but We have numerous stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul, the Empowered Woman, where women say, yes, I know that what's inside really matters. But still, let's be realistic. Sometimes putting on a new outfit makes you feel more confident, makes you stride in for that interview, exuding confidence. And you're more upbeat. You're more positive. You're smiling more. I mean, little things matter. We had had a story in the book from a woman named Miranda Boyer, and she talked about buying a red lipstick. Not something you know about, Mm -hmm. Johnny, but she went and bought a red (laughs) lipstick, and then she thought, oh, my goodness, this is so daring. I can't believe I bought a red lipstick. She was so embarrassed at the checkout counter that she was buying a red lipstick that she actually bought some other stuff at the checkout to try to distract the cashier from the fact that she was buying a red (laughs) lipstick. And then she took it home, and she threw it in a drawer. But then... She eventually put on the red lipstick, and it made her feel sexy and young and confident Mm -hmm. and beautiful. And So little things like that do matter, even though we all, you know, subscribe to Mm -hmm. the accepted wisdom, which is it's what's on the inside that matters. (laughs) So true. Joy Gordon wrote a wonderful intro, so please share that with us. So her foreword for the book, she gives a nice little tour of the book and some of the wonderful stories and chapters. And then she also tells some success, some success stories from, from Dress for Success. And I think some of what she said really holds true for this book overall. For example, mm-hmm. she has um, one of their clients who says, Dress for Success is a sisterhood. We're all on a level playing field. When we are there, you're there to share with a circle of friends and not to feel like you're less than anyone else. Well, that's really what this book is about. This book is like holding a support group in your hand. Mm-hmm. You have 101 stories from women who are selflessly sharing with you their you know, 
revealing personal stories, their best tips, their best advice. They're laughing as they tell you something they messed up or they're, you know, making you tear up a little when they're telling Mm -hmm. you a really heartwarming story about a way that they changed their lives. But it's women sharing with each other, and I think that's really important. Um, I think women do a great job of sharing. And she ends the foreword saying, the power of women sharing their best advice, their disappointments and triumphs, and their growth process with each other is truly astounding. People say that women compete with each other, mm-hmm. but not in this book. In this book, women are sharing their stories to help each other. We're all in it together. And so that makes it a great read because you really do feel like you're sitting down, you know, with with people who are caring about you and, and trying to share their best stories with you. What I like about it as well, it's sharing and it's being authentic. For readers, you just need that extra sort of push, sort of like a little validation of how you're feeling. You'll get this from this book and that will actually propel you forward. Yes, because this book makes you realize that you are not alone. There's a lot of stories that we can relate to. And by the way, it's, I mean, I started off our discussion talking about sexual harassment and all the stuff that's in the right. news, but this book is mostly about uh, the everyday things. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a great story from um, a woman who found a dead rat in her backyard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she did she did the expected thing, which was she squealed and ran back into the house. And then she said to herself, okay, I'm not going to find anybody to pick up this dead rat for me. Um, I don't have a man in my house. And so Jennifer Gibbons went back out the next day and she put on rubber gloves and she got some newspaper and she got a trash bag and she went out and she was probably still going, you know, ooh, 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 while she was doing it. But she picked up that dead rat, put it in the garbage, ran around to the side of the house, threw it in the bin, ran back in the house, took off the rubber gloves, washed her hands obsessively, even (laughs) though she'd been wearing rubber gloves. But she was so proud of herself for doing that. So it's those little things, those little everyday things that make such a difference also. I mean, once she picked up that big dead rat, she probably said, I am so proud of myself. (laughs) And now I know I can do another scary thing. And then she went and did the next scary thing. And that caused her to do the next scary thing after that, et cetera. And so I thought that was great. I mean, there, we have a lot of stories about those little things. And what's great is that it just reminds us as people, not just as women. I'm mm-hmm, sure you don't mm-hmm. really like picking up big dead rats either. It reminds us as people <laughs> that we can do these things and feel good about ourselves. I agree. When I was growing up, I hate bugs, even date bugs. I would hate to pick them up. What I would do is I'll just throw a piece of towel on it or a piece of paper and then grab the paper, not thinking that I'm grabbing the bug and then throw it away. And over a period of time, you sort of overcome that fear. And so, again, this is gender neutral. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I agree with you about the bugs. I can't even, when I throw the piece of paper over it, I still don't want to pick it up because I'm afraid I'm going to... I'm going to feel the crunchiness through the paper. Right, right. I agree. I'm such, but I, it's so funny because in our house, my husband has to take care of all bugs, living or dead. But then uh-huh. he's a weenie about um, rodents, even uh-huh. like little bats or mice or, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, cute little, cute little rodents. And so mm-hmm. I'm in charge mm-hmm. of all the rodents. Like, I have no fear of of live rodents. And so I do mm. the rodents, he does the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So you guys will have a, like on this column, it's your deal, and this column is my deal, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's really funny how um, how afraid he is of rodents and how I'm not, mm-hmm. and I guess that's weird. Like we all have our thing. I'm not afraid of snakes or lizards either. But oh, dead, wow. you can give me a live rat, and I'm fine. You mm-hmm. give me a dead bug, and I'm a mess. So we're all we're all kind of irrational. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. I have that, too. Till this day, I hate worms because it's that sort of like that sleazing kind of thing. And so, needless to say about snakes, it'll be the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what's the story behind the beautiful cover as well as the black and white photo that started out each chapter? The reason why I asked this question is because I thought the design of the book is very empowering in itself. 
Yeah, so we have this really cool uh, black and white photo that's at the beginning of the chapters, and it shows a woman running up stairs. And basically, it's we're trying to create a metaphor here. You know, not only is she running, mm-hmm. but where is she running to? And it, she doesn't really have to be running. It just shows a woman making forward progress. So that's what that's about. And then the cover... Oh, my gosh, we struggled with this cover because I found this stock photo I really liked of Mm -hmm. this woman standing on this boardwalk with, you know, the beach and water behind her. And we always try to make our covers um, seasonally relevant. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, this is good because this book is going on sale at the beginning of the summer. But then the woman who was standing on the boardwalk is not the woman Mm -hmm. you see now. So the woman who used to be standing there was blonde and looked very fashionable and looked like she just came out of, you know, the Neiman Marcus catalog. Uh-huh. So we had it all set with that woman. And then um, everybody said to me, no, that woman looks like you. And that's not like what most people look like. And, you know, like that's not relatable. You can't right. have this blonde woman who looks like, you know, she shops at some fancy stores. So we took that woman off the boardwalk. Then I went and found a woman who we felt was more relatable. And so then we put, we had to get that woman onto this boardwalk, but not make it look Photoshopped. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so, you know, we spent a lot of time moving this other woman onto the same boardwalk. So, (laughs) like, it just looks like we put a photo on the cover, but actually it was a lot of work, a lot of discussion, a lot of Mm -hmm. angst. Um, (laughs) But we finally came up with this cover and then a lot of angst over the colors. But I love this kind of, like, tannish brown color Mm -hmm. combined with blue. I think it's just a great-looking summer book. No doubt about it. It makes you want to pick it up for sure. And what I like also in the book itself, um, some stories you have what I call a call out. Yeah, I do that sometimes. If it's a book that I think has really good messaging in it, mm-hmm. what I'll do is as I'm reading the stories, I'll find the ones where I think that there is a call out, where there's a great quote mm-hmm. from within the story. And so um, I would say half the stories have those and it is like when you're reading a magazine and they you know they call out mm-hmm. something you see like a quote from the from the magazine article that's blown up big so that mm-hmm. you can really mm-hmm. yeah like like here's an example here's a quote um i mean this is story number 6 but the quote we pulled out mm-hmm. was i realized that a marriage in which i couldn't be myself wasn't really a marriage at all so stuff like that where we wanted to really mm-hmm. emphasize something we put it we put it in the call-out thing, that blow-up thing. <laughs> I love it. It's very pleasing to read. How's that? Because sometimes when you pick up a book, it gets monotonous after a while. Well, and we try to have a story arc. Um, and we know some people sit down and just read these cover to cover. Mm-hmm. We get fan mail like that. You know, I sat down, I was going to read one story, and then <laughs> I guess it's like potato chips. They just keep going. That's but right. we did try to shape it into individual chapters and have a story arc. And sometimes we mix it up and we'll have a really short story after a long one. And we, you know, we try to keep the flow very interesting. But I think most people will take at least several days to read the book because they'll read mm-hmm. a few stories at a time. So let's talk about the various chapters. I thought the chapter titles are really engaging themselves. So the first chapter is called Who Am I? And it's really about women talking about like being lost inside their roles and, you know, being mommy or wife or Mm -hmm. daughter to elderly parents, whatever, but not being herself anymore. So we have stories about how women found their way back to realizing who they were. And then the second chapter is called I Found My Courage. Um, The third chapter is about women sticking up for themselves or other people, and it's called Doing What's Right for Me. And then the fourth chapter is about a theme that is very important. It's called Going It Alone, because a lot of women talked about sending, setting off on their own to start a business or just being afraid to you know, walk into a restaurant alone, whatever it was. And then the fifth chapter is called I Stepped Outside My Comfort Zone, because one of the key ways you can empower yourself 
is by doing something new or something you're a bit afraid of. Step outside your comfort zone. And then the sixth chapter is called Walk the Talk. So I know people are misusing that phrase all the time. They'll be like, (laughs) he walks the walk or he talks the talk. Well, that's not what the phrase is. The phrase is walk the talk because that means that whatever you were speaking about, you're actually Mm -hmm. doing it. You're walking the talk. Right. The sixth chapter is about people who follow their own advice and they actually walk the talk. Um, Then the seventh chapter is sticking up for what's right because that's very empowering for women to do that. Even if you get some flack originally, you always end up being glad that you spoke up and did the right thing. The eighth chapter is called Time for Me. And that's about women going back and saying, wait, I've spread myself so thin I haven't taken care of myself for years or I dropped my hobby or I I stopped playing the piano and I'm going back to that. And then the ninth chapter is women doing something new that, you know, maybe used to be like considered to be a man's job and it's called Mm -hmm. figuring it out myself. And it's all about women who basically did that fake it till you make it thing (laughs) and were successful at something that they really didn't know. They really didn't know what they were doing when they started out. (laughs) Wonderful chapters. You have a wonderful story in the book as well. So my story is called, I sound like a real New Yorker now, it's called Enough <laughs> with the Flowers Already, right? <laughs> sound like a New Yorker. Well, so um, my story is about, and, and my story happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago, but mm-hmm. it's really important for women, especially younger women, to have context and to understand how things were so they understand where we are now relative to where we were. And I can't even tell you that what happened to me isn't still happening. But right. my story is not a big deal, but it it's like I hadn't thought about it for years. And then I was working on this book, and all of a sudden that story came rushing back to me, and I told it in my office. And I said, I'm going to write this story for the book. So what happened was many, many years ago, probably it was probably 25 years ago, I was a Wall Street analyst, which meant that I picked stocks. I was an expert on an industry, the telecommunications industry and technology, and I would pick stocks that I thought were going to go up, or if I thought they were going to go down, I would warn my clients, hey, I think this stock is going to go down. You should get out of this stock because that's equally worthwhile for clients. So there was a stock that I had told everybody was going to go up, and it went up, and I was a big expert on the stock. And then I realized, okay, it's going to go down now. Stock's overvalued. Their business has changed. I warned people, get out of the stock now. And the stock ended up plummeting. And one of my clients had made millions of dollars for his you know, mutual fund mm-hmm. in this stock and, um, and got out when I told him. And so he saved millions of dollars that he would have lost. All those profits would have gone back, mm-hmm. you know, down. So when the stock went down, um, I received flowers from this client. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's very nice, but that's not how I get paid. You know, <laughs> I get paid through brokerage commissions. And basically it was all on the honor system um, mm-hmm. that work as a Wall Street analyst clients basically trade stocks through your firm to -hmm. generate commissions, and that's how you get paid for your wonderful research. So I thought, all right. I mean, they paid me also, but I always thought, you know, they probably paid me less because they sent me flowers. And Mm -hmm. I really didn't want flowers, and a male analyst would not have received flowers. (laughs) Anyway, so that was in my past. I move on. I start a hedge fund. Uh, because I want to, I, I decided I was going to. I wasn't getting paid properly by clients over and over again. It wasn't just the flowers incident, but in general, I wasn't getting paid properly, and I really felt they would have paid more to a guy. So mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to just start my own hedge fund where I make my own money, and it doesn't matter if I'm male or female. It's just math. When you run right. a hedge fund, you get 20% of the profits, no matter what. You could be an iguana, and you'll get 20% of the profits. <laughs> so. Start my hedge fund, and then I became a big holder of a particular new, very exciting telecommunications company. Then I ended up joining the management team of that company. I still ran my hedge fund, but I was also mm-hmm. working at that company. And um, I was one of four people at that company who reported to the CEO. And the company had thousands of employees. So I was very, very high up at that company. 
And we and I always worked on the money raising side of things because I understood Wall Street. So I wasn't running the operations of the company. I was on the the financial side. So mm-hmm. we so we were constantly raising money. And what you do when you're raising money is you go on something called a road show, where you travel around the country meeting with investors. Mm-hmm. So we had this one road show where we are actually on a private plane flying all around the country. It was very exciting. And we're presenting over and over again. You do the private plane because you have mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe present in two or three cities per day. And there's no way you can keep to that schedule if you're flying commercial. And so I'm one of the guys. I'm on the plane. We're raising all this money. I'm one of the people presenting to the institutional investors. There are only three of us who present. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we get the deal done. We close. We raise hundreds of millions of dollars. We're back in New York I come into the office one day and I hear that the investment banker has sent gifts to everybody who worked on the deal. And each of the guys had gotten six bottles of Dom Perignon champagne. <laughs> so that's worth a lot. You know, a bottle of Dom right, Perignon, right. Even, even back then, this was 20 years ago, it had to be worth at least $100. And today it's mm-hmm. probably worth $200. So that's an expensive gift, right? So mm-hmm. I was all excited because I love champagne. And I was one of the guys on the private plane, and I was one of the people who raised the money. And every single person who invested in that deal, I was one of the people they talked to. I walk into my office expecting to see my bottles of champagne. And what is on my desk but a vase of flowers. Mm. And so, you know, no, no man in my position, one of four people reporting to the CEO, would have gotten flowers Mm-hmm. I didn't get the champagne. They sent me flowers because they just assumed that my contribution was way less important than the guys. So the guys got, you know, $600 worth of champagne and I got $50 worth of flowers. <laughs> and so, I mean, I obviously didn't say anything to them because it was a gift. Right. You know, you don't complain mm-hmm. about a gift. But it just bugged me. And I mm-hmm. hope that things are better now. I think so, too. Some of it, I really, truly believe it's generational back then versus now. And hopefully, anyway, I'm hoping that that's the case. And now the fact that women are speaking out and they are probably more women analysts now, too, I would think, versus then. Yes, I think you're right. There are. Yeah. But at least it's interesting from the point of view of telling new women, you know, today's 30-year-olds, what it was like for (laughs) Back when I was in the, in my 30s, you know, right, it's good for right. them to know where we came from. I agree. I totally agree. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Empowered Woman a collection of 101 stories about being confident, courageous, and your true self. Amy, let's talk about the various stories in the book. I really am excited. This is one of those books where I wish I could cover all the 101 stories, but we'll be here all day. <laughs> You're there right. I've been doing the stories. I've been doing the stories on my podcast, the Chicken Soup for the uh-huh. Soul podcast, and I've I keep picking more and more stories that I get on the podcast. I say, "Here's one of my favorites." <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I have to stop because I've been doing this for a month already. If you listen to the podcast, you'll hear a lot of these stories <laughs> in depth. But anyway, I love, I love story one that you chose. Mm-hmm. Um, so here, this is really interesting. This woman, when she was born, her mother named her Linda Pearl Davison. So her mother was feuding with her sister-in-law, and her sister-in-law had a baby due a week later. And her mm-hmm. sister-in-law wanted to name the baby Linda, but our writer's mother decided that she would use the name Linda. And so, but then her sister-in-law said she was going to use it anyway. And so there ended up being two Linda Davisons in their little town. And um, her mother and her aunt never spoke to each other again. And, <laughs> and um, our Linda never met her cousin, who was also Linda Davison. And and then her mother had given her the middle name Pearl because her mother was late on the rent, and 
she was hoping that the landlord, whose name was Pearl, would not evict them if she was honored by having the baby named Pearl. So so this poor woman, Linda Pearl Davison, thought, well, I was given my first name, Linda, out of spite. I was given my <laughs> second name, Pearl, to try to please the landlord. And then her father, Davison, well, he wasn't in the picture. So she said, and I have a last name that doesn't work for me. So then she got married, and her last name changed to Stafford. Um, so now she had her husband's last name, and she still had Linda and Pearl as her first and middle name. And she was an artist, but she seldom even signed her paintings because she just felt like this name didn't go with her and wasn't really her at all and was given to her for all the wrong reasons. And then she found out she could change her name, that it would cost $150 and take three weeks, and she could just go to her state government and change her name. Mm-hmm. So she changed her name to April Knight, and she started signing her pictures, her paintings. And she now feels like she's 100% herself and not like little pieces and parts of other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. April, if you're listening... I love April Knight. It's a cool name. <laughs> it is a cool name, and it's a, it's a great story. And how cool is it that she just took this matter into her own hands and said, you know what, I've hated my name my entire life. I am just going to go and change my name. And I thought it was so exciting that she hadn't been signing her own paintings before, and once she picked her own name, she started signing her paintings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How life-changing was that? That was really incredible what she did. <laughs> the next story in that chapter of Who Am I is really fantastic as well. Finding Mine by Christian Mai Pan. So Christian was a Vietnamese refugee, you know, one of the so-called boat people. Mm-hmm. She came to the U.S. She came to California um, and she didn't know there was prejudice against Vietnamese people until she was seven years old. And she was driving somewhere one day with a relative and a car pulled up next to them. And two, you know, really stupid boys in the next car started screaming obscenities at them about being Vietnamese. And so all of a sudden she thought, oh my gosh, I don't actually belong here in the United States. And so she decided that she was going to adopt Um, a U.S. name. So when she got her U.S. citizenship, she decided that instead of being my, she would be Kristen. And so she started telling everybody her name was Kristen. And then she met a woman who was Vietnamese, an American, but had started out Vietnamese. And that woman had her Vietnamese name, spoke Vietnamese in front of her American friends, wasn't embarrassed about it. She perfectly balanced both of her worlds, her Vietnamese world and her American world. And that changed everything for Mai. And so now she is pleased to introduce herself as Mai, um, although her legal name is Kristen Mai Pham. So anyway, she writes a lot of stories for us. It's interesting how we learn about our writers. I never knew that about her. She's mm-hmm. written so many stories for us. Um, and I was very pleased to to present her story to everybody because it's about more than just her name. It's about her taking pride in her background instead of denying it. So true. And that's why I chose that story because I thought it's very interesting. You can actually assimilate yourself to the environment that you're in, whether you're in the United States or Germany or Russia, but then you don't want to lose your own personal identity in the process. Exactly. And so it's very important to honor all all the parts of your background. Correct. And the next story in the same chapter, Fear of Rejection by Tammy Shucky. So Tammy, um, she just needed something in her life. Um, She was a single mom. She was working two jobs. She was a writer, but not successful at it. She was just drained and exhausted and she really felt like she was on the verge of having a nervous breakdown. And then she saw um, Ariana Huffington, who I've actually had on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. She's a wonderful, charming, friendly woman who really cares about helping people. 
So she was on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, and Tammy learned that Ariana was going to be appearing at a conference near her. And so she bought a ticket to this conference, and she went to this conference on her 44th birthday. And um, she stood in line to get a book signed by Ariana Huffington. She was the very last person in the line, which actually ended up being a good thing because there was nobody behind her. So when she got up to Ariana, she actually got to talk to her. And Tammy ended up sitting down with Ariana, and Tammy started crying and telling Ariana how she always wanted to be a writer, but it was really hard for her to pursue her dream while raising children as a single mom. And Ariana said, just write to me. She sent her an email afterwards and said, write for me, write for Huffington Post. And so Tammy started writing for Huffington Post, and that changed everything for her. She ended up um, starting her own own website. She published three books. She wrote numerous articles, not only for the Huffington Post and Thrive Global, which is Ariana's new website, but also for other websites. She went and got her MFA in creative writing, and she also learned that there's nothing wrong with experiencing rejection once in a while. She said, I learned that rejection only means that I tried to do something outside my comfort zone, and it is by going outside my comfort zone that I continue to make progress. So I thought that was a great story with a lot of really wonderful lessons in it. So true. I love that story, and that's the reason why I chose it, because we all go through that. I personally go through that, and it's difficult to really face rejection from that perspective. So, so I totally agree with that. Chapter 2, love this story. Very moving. I found my courage. It's not about me by Linda Jewell. So this is really cool because Linda was um, the head of the media committee for her branch of Blue Star Mothers. These are mothers of active service members. And she ended up having to go on television as a result of her job because they were going on television, she and another mother, to talk about Blue Star Mothers and to talk about how they would create like goodie bags to send to the troops who were deployed overseas. And so she was sitting in the green room waiting to go on television for the first time, and she was so nervous, and the other mother was so nervous. And they started talking, and Linda said to the other mother, this will be easy compared to what our sons are asked to do. And all of a sudden, Linda realized, this interview isn't about me. And all her nervousness disappeared because that revelation, it's not about me, gave her the courage and it gave her that sense of purpose that allowed her to overcome her fear. And so every time she speaks now, she thinks it's not about me. I'm doing this for the kids, the kids who are mm-hmm. in, the, the, in the military who are deployed. And, um, and she has become quite a good public speaker. So I thought it was a great message about doing something that's a, that you're afraid of, finding the way to give yourself courage, and mm-hmm. then finding great success as a result. So true. I chose that story simply because it is a terrific recipe for speakers. Yeah, it is. That's true. Because if you think I'm doing this for other people, I'm just their spokesperson, the cause is way bigger than me. Mm-hmm. You stop feeling afraid because you stop realizing, hey, it's not about me. Nobody cares if I'm nervous, so just stop being nervous and, and actually deliver your message because you're doing this for other people. You have a mission here to complete. Right, right. So true. Another story in the same chapter, Chapter 2, I Found My Courage, Remember to Breathe by Marilyn Kite. Okay, so this was a pretty extreme story, and I don't want people to think that, you know, we have like a ton of stories about women being abused, but this happens to be one. Um, And Marilyn was in the middle of a really bad marriage, and she walked out of the bathroom one day and found her husband on the bed. He looked like he was just lying back against the pillows, comfortable, but then she looked at his hands, and between his hands was a pistol, and the pistol was pointed at her. Now, she had been going to see 
a marriage counselor, and the marriage counselor had already said to her, if you go back to him, he will kill you. So she had let this abusive husband back into the house, and now he was pointing a gun at her. And so Marilyn was standing there thinking, oh, you know, what am I going to do? Like, how do I stop him from doing this? And then, you know, she had to have all of this thinking in a fraction of a second. She remembered what he had told her about hunting and how what he loved about hunting was the power of it. And he liked to look at the deer and see the fear in the deer's eyes right before he fired the rifle. This guy got off on the Mm -hmm. fear. So she said, all right, I have to do the most incredible acting job of my life in order to save my life. I have to act like I'm not afraid. And so she kind of set her shoulders and stood up straight and breathed. And she said to him, what are you doing? And she tried to make herself look like she wasn't afraid at all. So the moment that she didn't look look like she was afraid, he just kind of wilted and he put the gun down and he put it on the night table and he had no more interest in pointing the gun at her because she was showing no fear. So then he he left for work and she stuffed all her clothes into trash bags and rushed them into her car and grabbed a mattress from the house and put it on the roof. And she drove 30 miles away and got an apartment and threw the mattress on the floor, and she started her new life without him. And she says, that happened to me almost a half century ago. But if you read the news, you might think it happened only yesterday. It's a powerful story, and that's why I chose it, because this is where somewhere along the line you have to stand up against bullets and have the courage to just do it mindfully and be the person you are. It's a truly powerful story. Yeah, she was on the verge of being killed. She definitely Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. So chapter three, doing what's right for me. This is another amazing story, changing more than diapers. So you picked another person who I had on my (laughs) podcast recently, Jenny Pavlovic. So Jenny, I always knew of Jenny as being somebody who rescued dogs because she's very mm-hmm. into dog rescuing. And she even, after Hurricane Katrina, you know, went down south and rescued dogs. Um, but she also, I didn't know until I read this story, has a Ph.D. in biomedical engineering. And she got that Ph.D. back in the early 1980s when hardly any women were doing so. So she said that she was one of only two women in their whole class. And she talks about one day when the professor was talking about diaper materials because they were making advances back then in the early 80s in uh, absorbent materials for disposable diapers. And so the professor was talking about these materials, and then he turned to her other her the other female in the class and said in 10 years you won't be working as an engineer you'll be home raising children and changing diapers as you should be so um everybody in the class was shocked it wasn't like the the young men in the class thought this was reasonable anyway jenny went on to get that phd um she became a mathematics and engineering professor at a women's college She taught um, women how to teach science and engineering to kids, how to become teachers. And anyway, then she said she learned something from her students because this was decades after this professor had denigrated her classmate and been talking about these disposable diapers and this cool new absorbent material. And Jenny's students in her class discovered that the that the person who had invented that, you know, life-changing disposable mm-hmm. diaper material was a woman. And so, <laughs> so Jenny says, we should have known that disposable diapers were invented by a woman. The joke has been on the professor all along, this professor who was so chauvinistic <laughs> to her. It's a beautiful story. It really engages the fact that, first and foremost, she does things at that time where, like you said, it's strictly sort of a man's world, and now she proved herself and she proved to everybody else on what she's capable of doing. So it's just fantastic. (laughs) 
You are listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Empowered Women, a collection of 101 stories about being confident, courageous, and your true self. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. I'm going to go ahead and skip chapter four because the story that I chose for chapter four is dancing and I love chapter five and the story I chose is also dancing. Stepping out of my comfort zone, have fun, be silly. Dance Crazy by Tanya Abadie. So this is a great story because we're looking at summer right now mm-hmm. and we're looking at putting our bathing suits back on and appearing in front of our friends and our families wearing our bathing suits. And it is amazing how many women, including myself, are very reluctant to put their bathing suits on in front of other people, which means that we deprive ourselves of those nice dips in the pool or in the lake or in the ocean (laughs) when it's really hot out. We don't engage in all the fun activities that are available to us. And that's just stupid. And we all do it. So Tanya's story is very inspirational for me because Tanya was a certified Zumba instructor who wasn't teaching Zumba and was not even attending Zumba classes, even though she loved to dance. The reason she wasn't attending classes was because she was a size 16, and she thought, oh, I have parts that jiggle. I don't look like a a Zumba person, and I'm embarrassed to be seen by everybody. And it was just ridiculous. And she, she was joining gyms and then quitting, joining, quitting. Finally, she turned 30, and she said, I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to take the Zumba class. I'm going to do what I love. I don't care what I look like. So she did it, and she loved Zumba, and she started going to the Zumba class regularly. And she started making friends in the class because that was another thing that had been an impediment to happiness for her. She hadn't been making new friends where she lived. So she made all these new friends. She became a regular in the class. She was doing what she loved again. And then the Zumba instructor quit and Tanya became the instructor for her class. It's a fantastic story. I love it. And that's truly empowerment of oneself, don't you think? It is. And we actually made a book trailer. We have book trailers now for all our books. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to chickensoup.com, you'll see the Empowered Woman book right up there at the beginning of the homepage. If you click on it, you go to a page all about the book And if you scroll down an inch or so, you will find our book trailer, and you will see a video of Tanya teaching her Zumba class. It's a great video. It's outdoors. She's a wonderful instructor. I will really drive home the point that you need to put on the exercise clothes or put on the bathing suit and get out there. (laughs) Truly awesome. Chapter 6, Walk the Talk. This is fantastic. Making It Count by Luann Zakari. So Luann, unfortunately, lost a child to a drunk driver. And then she met a woman who had also lost a child to a drunk driver and told her that there was no chapter of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, you know, M-A-D-D, in mm-hmm. their area. So they decided to start a chapter of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And they actually made quite a, a bit of difference. They even worked to change weak DWI laws in the state of New York. And so this is what she did to um, get something good out of this horrible thing that happened with her son being hit by a drunk driver. And at least she's now protecting other people from drunk drivers and also helping to you know, work through her own grief. So I thought that was a great story about female empowerment. I love it, too, because especially in light of all the recent school shootings, I think this would really help parents to sort of take command of their own life, their own community, their own family. Yeah, I think so. I think what she did was admirable, and it's a great piece of advice for anybody mm-hmm. who's working through a loss is to do something meaningful like that. So true. Chapter 7, Sticking Up for What's Right. It's not over until I say it's over. And this is another wonderful story by April Knight. Yeah, so April is the one we talked about earlier who had 
that other story in Chicken Soup for the Soul, the Empowered Woman, about changing her name. And I would venture to guess that she would never have done what we're about to talk about if she hadn't changed her name. So in this story, April is 45 years old. She's a widow. She has four teenage children. She was working two jobs, one of which was cleaning houses. And then she got a new job, and she was thrilled with this new job. She had applied for dozens of jobs. She didn't have a college education, but she got a job working in a jewelry store, and the wages were high enough that she could give up that job cleaning houses. So the job was going along fine until her boss began to sexually harass her. Now, she says that she was 30 pounds overweight. She was kind of matronly looking. She was wearing bifocals. Like she didn't understand why anybody would be attracted to her. But her boss was, and he started asking her out, and she was saying, no, I don't want to go out with you. And then he said, well, you know, if you're friendly, I'll give you a promotion. She didn't want to be friendly. And he was trying to, like, <laughs> grope her in the stock room and kiss her. So she filed suit against him. She had this uh, young male lawyer who was very enthusiastic and motivated about this lawsuit. So she ended up winning. Uh, it took two years, and she won in court, and the judge awarded her as much money as she would make in five years working at that job. Mm-hmm. And then her boss didn't pay her and, in fact, declared bankruptcy to get out of paying her, but also because he had running, he had been running his business very poorly and he owed mm-hmm. back taxes. You know, he was just a messed up guy. <laughs> then her boss died. Um, and so it turned out the estate paid her because it wasn't up to the boss to decide anymore. The estate paid off. Mm-hmm. And so four years after she initially filed the lawsuit, she got a big check for five years' worth of wages. And she said that even though when she filed the lawsuit, her kids were embarrassed, her coworkers shunned her, nobody supported her. She felt it was the right thing to do, and what it did was it transformed her from feeling like a victim into feeling like a powerful person. It's a wonderful story. From the flip side of the equation, the reason I chose that story is because of the fact that no one supported her, her friends and co-workers. They are looking through the lens of fear, and it's, that's very unfortunate. It reminded me of what I went through years ago, but I'm not going to do that story, but I know exactly how she felt because here you thought we're all together and then somebody stood up. Uh-oh, you're the one that crossed the line and nobody else is there to support you even though you're right. Yeah, I got mad one time and filed a class action lawsuit against a big company. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get mad and you really want justice, you should follow it through. Yeah, yeah, so true. Well, Chapter 8. Time for me. This is wonderful. An accidental funny life. So this is by Leanne. Um, how does she pronounce her last name? Joshua, I guess. Yeah. And she, she um, was ma- she married this guy who was younger than her, um, and his mother was trying to interfere too much, so <laughs> she suggested they move across the country. So they did. Um, and the relationship with him ended up not really working out. But meanwhile, she's off in this new place alone, you know, someplace she never lived before. Mm-hmm. And she decides she's just going to do something entirely new and different and try to be funny. And so she set, starts sending off funny one-liners to greeting card companies and companies that make, you know, aprons with funny quotes on them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And eventually her funny little things that she wrote were selling and she was making some income from them. And then she became like a stand-up comic and she ended up winning the Irma Bombeck Humor Writing Award. And now she has published 25 funny books and she teaches comedy at a university. She's now been asked to write a screenplay by a Hollywood producer. And so it all worked out. She completely reinvented herself and that is something that a lot of people do, and it's very empowering to just decide, I'm tired of being who I was. I'm going to be a comic, an entirely new person. It's very frightening to do that, but she did it. It's just a beautiful story from the standpoint of taking charge and just making it work and, of course, being a humorous person in the way. So that's why I chose that story. It's just beautiful. Chapter 9, Figuring It Out Myself, and I thought this very first story of this chapter is just terrific. 
the first female by Elaine Chaptik Eskow, probably. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, her name is really hard to pronounce. I was pronouncing <laughs> it wrong for years. I've met her twice, and I was still pronouncing her name wrong. So it turns out her first name is Aline, which, of mm-hmm. course, is not how it's spelled at all. Her mother had yeah. an interesting sense of spelling and pronunciation. So Aline, uh, she was asked to start a PBS station in Chicago. And she, this is definitely a fake it till you make it story because she had no idea what to do. And she just from scratch created a whole PBS station for um, the city colleges of Chicago. And she, she just reports on how she had to figure it out for herself. And this was a while ago. And so she wasn't well received by the men in the TV community in Chicago. And so they put a lot of, obstacles in her way but she powered through it um muddled her way through starting an entire television station and she did it she started the second pbs station in chicago which is a huge market of course mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. she did it in some little town she did it in <laughs> chicago that's fantastic can you share with us some of your favorite stories um yeah i mean there's There's a theme that we didn't talk about as much today, and that Mm -hmm. is the theme of women doing it by themselves, like doing it alone. And so Mm -hmm. there is a story I'd like to share. Um, It's called uh, Do It for Bill, and it's about this woman, Wendy Ann Rich, who was going to a restaurant one night to meet a friend, and she got to the restaurant, and it was freezing cold outside, but her her friend was standing outside the restaurant on the sidewalk in the cold. And she said to her friend, why are you standing out here? And her friend said, well, I'm not going to go inside all by myself. And Wendy thought to herself, well, I'm not afraid to walk into a restaurant by, by myself, but what am I afraid of doing by myself? And she made a whole list of things she was afraid to do by herself. And I'm sure we all have things like that, you know, go to a movie mm-hmm. by yourself mm-hmm. or um, – I don't know, some women women won't go shopping by themselves or won't go to Home Depot by themselves or are afraid to travel alone or go to a a hotel restaurant alone. So Wendy made a list of things she was afraid to do by herself, but then she never did anything about it until she was volunteering at a senior home and there was a man there in a wheelchair who she got to talking to him and she told him this list of things she was afraid to do alone And one of them was traveling to Japan. She had the money saved up. She really wanted to go to Japan, but she didn't want to go by herself. She was afraid. He said, do it for me. I'm stuck here in this wheelchair. I can't go anywhere. You go to Japan. You do it for me. So she did it, and she she spent a whole month in Japan by herself, and she found herself very good company. And actually, she's in our book trailer also. I talked about her in the same book trailer I told you about, mm-hmm. the one for Chicken yes. Soup for the Soul, the Empowered Woman. So um, so that story is in there as well. Fantastic. What would you like for readers to gain from reading this book? I guess I want them to look at themselves and say, you know, I'm pretty self-confident, but I could use a little more, and then say, you know, the area where I'm not as confident is body image. So I'm going to read Tanya's story in this book and some of the other stories, and I'm going to make sure I don't let body image get in the way of me doing everything I want to do. Or I'm not going to let doing things alone get in my way. Or that thing I've been thinking about doing, going ziplining on vacation, I'm going to force myself to do it because we have that kind of story in there also. But Mm -hmm. I think if they come away from reading Chicken Soup for the Soul, the Empowered Woman, with two or three to-do items, maybe one is little, like trying some food you never tried before, and maybe one is medium, like walking into a restaurant alone. And maybe one is big, like zip lining. But do a few <laughs> things and see how you feel. And I, I have a feeling it will change your life. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. So what's coming up for Chicken Soup this summer? So our next book that's coming out in June is really cool. It's called The Miracle of Love. And it's really good, interesting, diverse love stories about all of the different ways that people find their soulmate, whether it's the first time or whether it's the third time, whether they're single or whether they were divorced or widowed, whatever it is, 
how they met that special person. And then we have a really neat book coming out in August called Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Yes. And it's all about stepping outside your comfort zone and how transformative that is. And then we have a bunch of other excellent books coming out this year. And we're also continuing in our television business to put on more and more new shows. Um, We're just everywhere. We've really learned how to do storytelling, not just in Mm -hmm. our books, but on your screen also, whether it's your phone or your computer or the big screen. We have an amazing movie coming out on June 13th. This is a special event, the week of Father's Day. We have a movie Mm -hmm. coming out called One Last Thing. Um, And we were very lucky to get this movie. The movie happens to have been written and directed by one of our children. Um, and that's how we were able. That's how we were able to get this movie. It stars Wendell Pierce, who mm-hmm. you might recognize. He played Clarence Thomas on, in the HBO movie. He was on The Wire. He's on mm-hmm. Suits. It also mm-hmm. stars Journey Smollett Bell, who was the star of Underground. It also stars Joanne Froggett, who played Anna on Downton Abbey. So it has big, big stars. It's a Fantastic. great movie about. Yeah, it's about fatherhood and family, and what is family, and the movie will make you laugh out loud. It will also make you get a bit teary-eyed in places. It's really a great Chicken Soup for the Soul movie. If you go to um, onelastthing.net, you can Mm -hmm. find information about buying it. It's a one-night-only, nationwide. Hundreds of theaters will be showing this film, One Last Thing. Cool. That's very, very exciting. Congratulations. It is very exciting. <laughs> well, Miss Newmark, what recipes for living do you have for us this morning? Well, I always like to take my recipes for living from whatever book we're talking about. So I would like to talk about five ways that people can empower their lives. Mm-hmm. One is to stop getting lost inside your role and remember who you really are. You're not just mom or dad. You're a person also. Um, the second way that people find their empowerment is by pursuing a passion and that could be starting your own business or working at a nonprofit. If you have a day job that's boring but you love dogs, well work twice a week at the dog shelter, you know, and that way mm-hmm. you'll liven up your life and you'll be pursuing your passion. A third way to find empowerment and have a better life is to be willing to do things alone because that way you won't be shutting yourself off from the things you want to do. And then a fourth thing, and this I think is important for men as well as women, and that is to not let those body image problems make you hide yourself. Get out there. If you love to dance, get out there and dance, even if there are parts that jiggle. And then the fifth, my fifth ingredient for living a good life is to, yes, stick up for what's right, because you'll feel so much better about yourself. Don't, don't, don't keep your mouth shut. If you see somebody doing something wrong, say, hey, I saw how that accident happened, officer. The blue car hit the red car. I saw it happen. Step up and help people out by sticking up for what's right. Totally, totally agree. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, May 29th. My guest will be Brian Peterson. He has more than 40 years' experience as a curator, critique, visual artist, musician, and art administrator. Brian recently retired as the chief curator for the Jerry and Margaret Lindfest Mincer Art Museum in Philadelphia. Brian and I will be having a conversation about his latest book, I Give My Eyes. The book is both a spiritual autobiography and a story of healing and salvation through his photographic lens. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure this morning. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Introducing McDonald's new one, two, three dollar menu with breakfast favorites for one, two, or three dollars. Like the sausage McGriddles, small McCafe espresso drinks, the sausage McMuffin with egg, and a new gaming console for my son. Uh, no, but the one, two, three dollar menu could help you save for one. Wait, isn't your son five months old? Who told you? I just know these things. Oh, build whatever meal you want with favorites on McDonald's new one, two, three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. You work all day, then go home and make dinner. That's not fair. Because making your dinner, that's our job. We don't work all day, then go home and do your job. So stop doing ours. Head into Buffalo Wild Wings for America's favorite wings, shareables, burgers, and more. Choose from 21 signature sauces and seasonings to take your dinner from mild to wild. But don't worry, we're dinner pros. If things get too wild, we've got dozens of beers on tap and a full bar to bail out your palate. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports.